0: Hey, this is lauren engel of sidewalk talk today i'm here with viceroy what's going on <laughs> i found your stuff so long time ago is what you're one of the first people that i listened to oh dope no. from like getting into more electronic because a lot of your stuff was posted on a lot of the youtube channels like majestic casual yeah and all, all that stuff oh, yeah, was i was so cool. into that and i was like in those holes of like just Subscribing to all the channels, and that's how like, I found your music like years and years ago when I was living in Hong Kong. I,
1: I find that's like very common when people find my music. It's it's very like naturally just through music channels that they're really interested in, and uh, which is great. And then they end up you know sometimes following me for a long time, which yeah. is the best part about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you were where were you born? Like, cause you lived in like the East Coast and West Coast, right? Yeah,
1: it's a little a bit of both. So I was uh, born in the East Bay of San Francisco. And then, lived till I was 10, moved to Connecticut, went to college out there, then realized that the weather's awful, yeah. and I need to get out of uh, Connecticut and move back to the, the West Coast. Oh. Yeah, lived in San Francisco for seven years, and then I've been down in L.A. almost, actually a year, which is crazy. Yeah. Things just went, whoop, like
0: that. <laughs> So, you moved to Connecticut for your parents' job?
1: Yeah. My dad was working in New York, and, um, you know, I obviously didn't have much say in that, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's a great place to grow up, honestly, uh, and I, you learn a lot about. I'm sure you didn't. You went to college in Boston. I'm sure yeah. you learned a lot about people on the East Coast are very different than the West yeah. Coast. They're uptight. We <laughs> <laughs> learn to deal, deal with different kinds of people. I think it's kind of an important mm-hmm. skill if you're living in the states, for sure.
0: What do your parents do? Let's
1: see. My dad is in tech. He works for uh, Map Arts, a big data company, okay. solutions company. Um, and my mom was, was a stay-at-home mom, but had some businesses. She uh, was. Uh, a, a co- Ooh, there's a dog oh my gosh. Uh, she was like a, a personal personal coach for sports and uh, you know the mental part of sports oh, kind wow. of just kind of making you know get yourself in the right headspace and personal trainer growing up you know running the YMCA in San Francisco she did a bunch of different stuff like that and um, she had a skincare line she's working on she's just a little bit all over the place she's an entrepreneur yeah, yeah, yeah she's an entrepreneur yeah. uh, wow that's a fighter jet or oh, no wow. one of those bomber planes things that's crazy that's
0: crazy, that's really I, was sh- crazy. I was gonna show it i don't know if you I do can. there's another one oh, yeah. maybe 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 i caught it
1: those are like some one of those like what are those b-52s it was like i don't even know i'm just that's the first thing i just came to my head like <laughs> that is that b-52 <laughs> so uh anyways my mom yeah she's an entrepreneur and uh missin just uh, was you know took care of my I was just a little rug rat, so mm-hmm.
0: where do you think of your creative side from then
1: uh, question one well, mom was a, a um, volunteer art teacher from k to five and I so like from there I kind of explored like more art Less music stuff and more art stuff, and but you know, I she got we had a piano in the house, and my dad didn't play a single instrument. He went to West Point, was in the military oh for my a bit, gosh. and yeah, but he's it's funny those people that go that route and then come out of it are like way chiller than normal people. My dad's the chillest guy really? in the world, because yeah, everything so chill. else is nothing
0: compared to that. They, it's
1: like it's like pledging a fraternity for like five years, so <laughs> they just like yeah, they're they they come out to be chill, uh, and. Yeah, no. Um, I just think my, my, my mom and dad were just always putting music in front of me, taking me to shows. Just They think it's really important uh, that I got involved in it. Mm-hmm. Somehow just you know, explored, see maybe I liked it or not.
0: What kind of music were they playing around the house when you were growing up?
1: Um, well, it r- r- ranged from two very specific things. It either ranged from Kenny G and Andre Bocelli, or it was like some like fun kind of throwback, 80s, 70s disco stuff. But yeah, a lot of Andre Bocelli and Kenny G when I was younger but it's just interesting that I had saxophone for a while in my touring uh for my like my live show or in my, some of my songs so maybe it was from shout out Kenny G maybe I uh got <laughs> that from him
0: and then the disco stuff did so you already love it back then
1: I've always just loved the rhythm and bounciness of it and it's it, you know just makes you want to dance when you first hear it
0: yeah.
1: I, I mean it's just it's just always been my favorite kind of music whether it's I've grown and listened to different things over time I've always just loved the vibe of it and um the way it makes you feel and it's, its you're always gonna be you're having a good time when you're listening to it, you know you're not it's not like a, a sad moment in your life when you're listening to disco, so
0: <laughs> how do you describe yourself back then growing up?
1: um let's see um I'm always been very personable, like, you know, really social. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: I was well-behaved. I did not get in trouble, like, ever, oh, wow. uh, which is shocking because you know, all my friends were just getting in trouble left and right. But, no, I was a pretty good, well-behaved kid and I had ADD off the wazoo, so I was just bouncing around all the time. And I think that's honestly, uh, my mom never really, like, medicated me for it, you know? I, I think that's a good thing. I was thinking about this today, actually, because, like, mm. kind of lets you just kind of, lets your mind, you know, run and... Yeah, that, I think for creativity, it's huge. It's uh, for just being prolific in, in that creative world. So, yeah, no, I mean, I just was, I was just a pretty normal kid. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to be outdoors and stuff.
0: Did you like school? Were you good at school?
1: Uh, I did not like school. I had to try really hard to get like pretty decent grades. Mm-hmm. So it definitely wasn't for me. I definitely was on the creative side immediately. I'm not much of a hard science mm-hmm. kind of person. Yeah, but. Um, no, I mean, I, it's weird because I didn't even, I studied sociology in college, uh, maybe because it had to do with kind of sales and marketing, and I found that kind of stuff interesting in some ways, you know, learning about peoples and trends, mm-hmm. um, and then I did a music minor, uh, which I learned more about, like, I focused more on hip-hop culture, we had actually some pretty interesting courses at college about hip-hop culture oh, wow. and race relations, it was pretty fascinating, mm. ended up doing my thesis on disco, and kind of the same similar kind of mindset of uh, race relations, and how everything grew out of that, and how it was kind of an, um, an encompassing genre for whether you're gay, straight, uh, black, white, you know, like anything like that was a place you come together, so I, I, that's the kind of stuff I studied in school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, then I ended yeah. up, now I'm here DJing yeah. and making music. <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: back then, did you have a career in mind, like in high school, I wanted to be a lawyer for some reason
1: and a chef. Uh, I don't know why, actually. Um, I think I just chef. I mean, it's interesting when I when thinking about that now because now s- chefs and celebrity chefs and chef culture is so massive. Probably yeah. thanks to Netflix. So you
0: had chronic ear infections, right, back then?
1: When I was a kid, I had chronic ear infections for years. Every day, taking trying you know taking medicine for it, and you know after having it for so long uh you know it's an important part of your life when you're learning motor skills and speech and everything like that so I wasn't really like learning all that because my ears were constantly plugged I had to get like tubes put in my ears the whole nine yards uh so it wasn't probably till about first grade where I was pretty much up to where I should be for a kid my age uh, I was before that I'd like Speak an angli- alien language mixed with kind of English. It wasn't, really, wow. you know, it was like kind of all over the place. It was pretty wild. Yeah. But here, my mom talks to ta- tell me about it, uh, and so yeah, it, it was. It, you know, luckily it didn't go anything worse than that. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty. That's a good good find. <laughs> I think I've only talked about that once. But yeah, it's, no, it's it's interesting that like I ended up being in music or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like with, do
0: you think? I mean, did it affect you the way you hear music at all? Or or you, I guess you don't know, right?
1: I think maybe it's made me more eager to... When I was younger, I think it probably made me more eager to explore anything music-related that I could get my hands on, you know? Um, especially that I was finally coping with finally being somewhat normal at, like, first, you know, first grade. Um, and so I was just trying to... Explore anything I possibly could, and I think I just attached to music really early. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether that be the Backstreet Boys or yeah. <laughs> anything I was listening to back then, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I don't know what it'd have been like if what I've been like that didn't happen, you mm-hmm. know.
0: But what were you doing in your free time growing up then?
1: Let's see. My mom put me into you know different kinds of sports. mom and dad were like, "Hey, try try these different sports. See what you like." Which I really appreciate about what I appreciate about them is. They wanted me to kind of try everything and see what I liked, didn't like. They didn't force anything on me, which I'm pretty, you know, fortunate for. Uh, and um, let's see, I yeah, I, I played some sports growing up, uh, tennis and golf and things of that nature, um, which I ended up uh, pursuing tennis uh, pretty seriously after. Got oh,
0: that. so you're really competitive.
1: I would say, it's depending on what it is, but I'm not a competitive person by nature. But I did play competitive tennis. Yeah. Uh, in, in tournaments and the whole nine yards, mm-hmm. going up through college.
0: Yeah. Were your parents open with you doing any career early on? Like was sociology something that they're like, "Oh, that's a cool thing to study," or were they afraid that you didn't really know what you had in mind with that degree? Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting because going to a liberal arts school, it's less uh, career driven majors, so it kind of, I kind of didn't have a choice to do, like, sales or marketing or some or, or business degree, so I was, like, kind of the closest where I could just learn about peoples and trends, and, um, yeah, no, they, they're always pretty chill, they're not, they were never too worried about me, um, doing one thing or another, they really were open to me just exploring whatever I, whatever it was I was interested in at the time. Mm, yeah. So... I mean, that's... Can't ask for more than that, right? Yeah. From parents, so, like, they're, they're pretty cool.
0: And you found a lot of music early on through TV, right?
1: Oh, of course. I mean, VH1 and MTV, when they actually played music instead of reality, crazy reality TV shows, was amazing back in the day. I mean, I remember watching old Prodigy music videos or Sugar Ray and stuff in my living room, and it was, it was amazing. That was how you found everything out back then, um, before, you know, obviously... Uh, itunes and whatnot yeah Um, so yeah i I was obsessed with mtv back in the day
0: yeah (laughs) and then why did you find treasure fingers
1: oh treasure fingers oh man okay so treasure fingers was uh interesting so i studied abroad in rome 2009 uh, which was amazing. And, like, for some reason, the second week of school, we were all like drunken out at some bar. It was actually a place called Anima, it was a two story uh, lounge slash club. And I went up to the DJ and I was like, hey, I want a job here. And he's like, oh, go talk to the manager. He's got a big, poofy afro. And this guy, like, an afro that was like this <laughs> big. Um, and I'm like, okay. And I went up and talked to him. I'm like, hey, I'd like a job here. And he's like, all right. He's like, bring a lot of Americans. I'll give you like Monday or Tuesday nights. And I'm like, all right, sweet. And I woke up the next day. And I'm like, what did I do? Like, I'd never Wait, DJed so, like, in my life. How, why
0: did it even click to you to like ask him?
1: Well, so, like, did you... <laughs> so like, I just was drunk. I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I was like, this is what I want to do. like a joke
0: with your friends, like, no? I just like had an interest still... <laughs> in it,
1: and I just started finding out about dance music. It was like 2009, and Treasure Fingers was the guy that I was introduced uh, to, and maybe interested in DJing, and that was why I ended up going and talking to. Uh, talking to that club and wanting to DJ and I woke up the next morning like what do I do so like for the first the next the next week I learned really easily on Ableton how to just like do A&B tracks back and forth and convinced all these kids from my my school to go because it was like a 15 year open bar and they were just like oh yes duh I'll go because when you're studying abroad so all you really want to do is just go out Yeah. and I would just play things like from Treasure Fingers who was yeah the guy that got me really into like kind of disco-y house uh, indie dance stuff uh, and I would just Rinse all his tracks all the time. Oh. Um, so he, I just always really loved his music. He was definitely the guy that got me into, it, and he's also one of the nicest dudes ever. I got to work in a studio one time in Atlanta, and we've we've become friends over the years. And you know that's what's really cool when you meet your icons or idols that you start out you know make make you want to get into that career path, and they actually end up being cool.
0: Yeah. That's
1: the best. And so like he was definitely one of them.
0: And then so like when you first did that show, did it already click to you that? Like, was
1: it a realization? Uh, not a realization. I just had a, a really fun time doing it, and then pe- people had a really good time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep doing this every week. And then the other clubs in Rome started hearing about this, like, American playing, like, disco, which was not a thing there. Oh. It was, like, much more... Um, I was playing, like, LaRue, all this Bloghouse yeah. stuff, like, from back then. So, let's see. Yeah, they were playing, like, a lot of hip-hop and David Guetta and, like... Uh, uh, Black eyed peas. That's what the clubs were like playing at the most part, for the most part. And yeah, so then they started having me come by, and they're like, we'll give them a shot, because, like, it was not anything they've had, and then I started playing at all these other clubs. Oh, wow.
0: but you, but it was already drawing people, and, like, people love disco, right? So they just hear about it, or? I think, I think just, they like, just put that, me
1: on in a night that yeah. they had something else programmed and see how people reacted to it, and people were like, oh, this is fun, and I'm like, yeah, it's fun music, Why well, I would <laughs> not like this music. Like, I would not want to, if someone just didn't like disco, I'm like, how could, like, you don't have to be a huge fan of it, but, like, if you just don't like it, like, I don't understand how you don't just like it a little bit. <laughs> So yeah, no. Then ended up going great and started a mashup career from that. When I was there, went back to college and it that started taking off, which was funny. So I started mm-hmm. up as a mashup DJ. I went by DJ Philistine, and I got that nickname because when I be when I was studying abroad and we'd go on all these like. Art walks, like three, two, three hour ones a day, for every single week for like four months. After a while, looking at all these different Roman structures for a while, it just kind of all starts looking the same, and I get sick of it. And now I just like, I refuse to do any more of these, I'm so sick of going on all these walks. And my friends just tell me, you're such a Philistine. And they're like, boom, that's your DJ name. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I got it out of being uncultured, which is kind of funny because <laughs> you're supposed to go study abroad and be cultured, right? So, um, yeah, no. So, that's I started that yeah. for a while. And were you,
0: were you putting all those mashups online? Like, were you gaining a fan base from that? Or so, yeah.
1: I, I had a few friends in college who had some popular... Uh, college blogs so that were like doing really well when blogs were like the biggest thing ever back then right for music discovery Uh, and yeah so they started putting my stuff on there and putting my stuff on there and then you know because it's college blogs other colleges would see it kids at colleges fraternities and I started going playing fraternities besides just at my school and then played some gigs in New York and uh yeah so I started doing mashup stuff for a while kind of in that like uh white not as big as like White Panda or, or Blau or any of those guys but like I definitely was like Playing shows and making money, which is pretty cool for a college kid, right?
0: Yeah, and then, but why did you decide to change your name?
1: So, as you probably would understand, mashups got old really quick, and people—it just got—I uh, I don't know—just too many, too many people making them. Uh, oversaturated market, you know. It was just kind of like, all right, there's only so much you can do with a mashup, right? Mm. Unless your girl talk, which is a whole different thing. But um, so then I just was like, well, what do I want to make? It's like I want to make disco and that's what, like, <laughs> that's what i like Is what i listen to right i don't mm. listen to mashups i listen to i listen, listen to disco and like okay so i started that winter so 2010 winter and then released my first ep that uh february as viceroy and changed a whole new branding got you know didn't use the same pages or anything there wasn't also like instagram back then or anything so i was just did that and i was just making what i liked it was just like kind of sample based mm-hmm. disco stuff and that's, that started the whole career in February 2011.
0: Did your fans, like, follow over into Vice Rocks?
1: You know, I used those blogs to gain, those blog relationships yeah. to gain traction, even though it wasn't very popular music at, at um, colleges, by yeah. any means, at, at that time. I was just still, they still would put me on, so college kids would get into it, regardless of them, like, oh. realizing they're into it or not. Like, they'd yeah. be like, oh, yeah, because it's, it's just on those blogs, and they, like, yeah. love everything that's on there. So, it actually, that really helped. And, um... Yeah, no, so then I started doing that, and that was, yeah, February 2011. Yeah,
0: and then you started writing for blogs, right? or I was, somehow. I was.
1: I was writing for Vacate Vitamins uh, back in the day, which, and I had my own uh, blog, The Beat Brothel, shout out to that, <laughs> uh, but no, Vacate Vitamins is one of the biggest, like, as far as hype machine blogs, like, they're huge, they were up there with, like, God of Dance Dirty at the time, which is one of my, was one of my favorites at the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so, no, I started writing for that and curating on there, and... Um, it helped definitely get my name out there even more. Which oh, was
0: cool. So, the artists that you're writing about, they knew who you actually were? Like your um, Some of them.
1: I mean, some of them. It was, It you know, it took some time. The more, the more tracks I put out and more exposure I'd get via SoundCloud or Hype Machine, then they'd be like, oh, dope, and maybe give me some shout outs and yeah. stuff like that. But um, no, some of them, yes, yeah, some of them, no, because um, I was kind of covering everything. Could have been someone that was like a Larue remix at the time, or mm. you know, she's not, she's not getting me shots when I was starting out. But you know, <laughs> uh, but some other people were. Yeah, it was cool.
0: Well, was your intention was to get relationships from it, or do you like no, do you recommend people to do I really, li- I really
1: liked now? writing. I really liked just reviewing music. I had the other blog before I started writing for Vakey Vitamins because I did that for a while, and then I ended up meeting the VK Vitamins guys uh in san francisco this guy john april and uh then he was like you want to write for it i'm like fuck yeah i'd love to write for it um and it was right about the time where uh right at the like peak of blogs being important to art and artist career as far as like hype machine blogs and stuff so i caught it at the tail end but it was uh it it was it was so fun i met so many people with that too which was cool like and people that i'm best friends with now like yeah. i'm in a wedding for this and all like a lot of the god of the unsterity guys are going to be at this wedding this weekend in the oh, wedding wow. with me yeah so that's what's cool about it like i met people that i'm friends with now uh that are my best friends yeah yeah it's really that's cool. So
0: cool so you kind of knew how like hype and everything worked in like the charts and <laughs> getting oh everything man up that there. was my
1: religion my yeah. high machine <laughs> was my high machine and soundcloud my religion you know it's it's how i got my start and it was so organic, you know. It's so different than now, but yeah, you would just post something on SoundCloud and get your fans to help support it on High Machine, or you know, you, I would personally email all these blogs. Yeah. They were just like they were like the you know the, these these editors were like the biggest thing in the world to me. I was like, if I get one of them and I send them a personal email, maybe they'll post me on a blog. Then I can get my fans to chart it up, and if I get on the top. It was like the, it was equivalent of like getting, a get, you get like gigs or agents hitting you up or, you know, you get hundreds of thousands of plays from it. If you get at the top, so many people would see it. People like A&Rs, labels would like hitting you up. It was very different than it is now. Like that was, it was such a great platform for me to be able to be, get exposure and be found. Yep. Um, it's changed a lot, but mm-hmm. you know, it's now Spotify is king, but
0: yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's sad to see it kind of dwindle now. Mm. It's kind of, it was like, you know. It, it's, it was, I have always have a soft spot for SoundCloud and hype machine in my heart. Yeah, but.
0: same. That's how I found, like, all you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so after you graduated college, what did you do?
1: So after college, so obviously I, I just started about a couple months before that. As I was saying, in February I was starting the, uh, the Vice Ray Project, put a bunch of remixes out and originals, and I started work, interning at my college roommate's dad's tech company. Uh, what was a tech company, it was a food startup. Um, it was a one-for-one food startup called Two Degrees. So kind of like Tom's Shoes, where like every uh, nutrition bar that we sell, uh, we donate a medically formulated nutrition pack to like, oh. uh, mal- malnourished children in Sub- mm-hmm. Sub-Saharan Africa or, or Haiti or wherever. So it was a cool concept. It's definitely a hard business model, but I did that for three months, and I, by, by July of that summer, I had my first gig as Viceroy. I played at the standard rooftop hotel downtown Los Angeles oh, for a pool Bixel party. Boys. Bixel Boys is who I'm in their wedding for this weekend. How, see how long, <laughs> see how it comes around like that. <laughs> My best friends are like all like from that sh- first show. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, so Ian, um, Ian booked me for that, and uh, yeah, it's it's it was from then on, I was like, oh, this is really dope. We started playing more and more shows, and then I. My mom's like, "Hey, why don't you live at home for a year and see if this works out? If not, you can always go get a job." Your
0: parents are so—they're
1: cool. They're cool. They're cool. They're cool. Even, they're cool. They're real you cool. Back
0: home.
1: Yeah, they're cool. And like, they lived right in the East Bay, so I would just—I was already living at home anyways. Oh, like okay. So six months into after that summer of 2011, I it, it went full time, and, and then I moved into the San Francisco. Oh. Another six months after that.
0: Well, that's that's so fast. you were like really after you started gaining momentum from shows, you're already earning like your living from all yeah, that. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy, right?
1: Yeah, and like my parents, like I, I, I had a really good upbringing, but they weren't like giving me any like financial backing for it or anything. I really yeah. was just like they they were very supportive in any other way possible, and they were just like, yeah, like you know, um, I, I just hustled and ended up. And that, you yeah. know, it was scary moving out of the house. I'm like, well, what if I don't play shows for two months? I'm not gonna be able to afford rent. But you know, ended up uh, ended up being fine.
0: Yeah had a like right after you graduated so you got a manager and agent everyone?
1: Mm-hmm. I had a manager right about when I write that summer, an agent probably a year later. And um and it just kept going from there. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. uh yeah, I worked with a guy at this company. I don't work with him anymore, but uh I started out with this guy for several years on the management side. And then uh yeah, I had a, had an agent like about a year after that. This guy Adam is the man he works over here. Yeah. He was working at Bond, which doesn't exist anymore, but they got acquired by, United uh United uh, you know, talent agency. So he's over there right now. He's a mm. good guy.
0: And but... you're with a record label now, or? So, you
1: know, at that time? No. Oh, no. Now I'm with, uh, I signed a deal in uh, April with AWOL, which they are known to be, you know, it's kind of like distribution deals initially. And mm-hmm. then this year they got $100 million in funding. They're part of Cobalt. Okay. Um, and so they they have a hundred million dollars in funding. They're hiring a hundred people by the end of the year, and they're turning into a full fledged label. But I like wow. control when my releases go out. I control the marketing budget. It's like re- it's like most artist friendly uh label system out there, and that's the, it's the future. Like, all, like every single major label is like shaking in their boots. <laughs> uh But it's cool. So I yeah. So I've been doing that since April. It's been awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean they have other artists on there like Lauv and like mm-hmm. Tom Mish, and it ranges from like everything. It's not just electronic.
0: How has it been like over the years? Because you've been doing music for seven, to eight years. You've seen so many trends come and grow. I mean, you were even before, like way before the tropical house trend. Yeah, so that's it's, neat. It, and then, it's like... so
1: interesting. Yeah, I you know. It's like I kind of just you know shoved that aside for a long time because I didn't want to seem like that guy was like you know like the old cranky grandpa. Like I was the be f- before tropical yeah. house. You know, it's so you know I'm not. That's not I'm not about that. But then I. I, then I, you know, people kept saying, it. it's like, yeah, like, I guess my branding and not necessarily my music, like Kygo had, had created a whole sound. There's no question, you know, but I think the branding of my like bright tropical, you know, outfits and uh, summertime all the time, my slogan, I, I think it, it created a path for that to exist. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I started getting pigeonholed into that world, which I'm not complaining about for a while. You know, it really definitely helped with my career, but I also realized, you know, I was like, I can't be I can't uh, get pigeonholed in that forever. And if I also have been doing that same sound for, like, at the time, like, seven years, you know. It was, like, yeah. I can't, or five years or whatever it was. Like, I can't, I don't want to get pigeonholed into that. You've seen it with other genres that happens, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So how did you stop yourself from being, like, stagnant? Like, have you tried, like...
1: Yeah, couldn't... no, it's a good question. So it's been a pro over a year, pro- two-year process, just trying to figure it out. You know, it's not overnight, but... I also didn't want to make it just this drastic change where everyone was really kind of shell shocked by it. Dubstep, <laughs> yeah, right. Go to dubstep, or just like you know, I want my fans to understand the process of where I'm going, you know, because they're just as, equally as important to me as the process. So to be involved in it and understand what I'm doing, because I wouldn't be the here, you know, without them. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, like over the last year, year, two year and a half, I two years, I just started doing different doing different writing sessions with like new musicians that kind of gave me an interesting take on what I was already doing and I tried to figure out, I kind of want to make some more, I guess, hip-hop tempo-leaning stuff. I realized my most popular music over the seven years was these Jet Life series I did, a few of my other singles back at the start, and other things like that, which were all down-tempo. None of them, they were like between 83 and 105 BPM. And that was a realization I had that was like, wait a minute it's not even like the top 10 songs I've made were any of them were house music or house tempo or anything oh. like that. And I was just like, wait a minute, that's something I need to really like think about yeah. that my fans are reacting to that the most. So that's what I worked on over the last year, kind of like I like like uh, hip hop and r b leaning, kind of funk stuff, you know, um, and, and like kind of more jazzy in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, like that's, that's what I kind of like been making and with that AWOL deal, I released the first single this year and kind of redid the branding, wiped my soul, my Instagram clean, Duh. kind of matured, kind of wanted to mature my brand in general. I can't be, like, the crazy, nutty, tropical guy for my whole life, right? <laughs> I kind of, you know, I grow up. That's it's been. I've been, it's been doing that for seven years, so I people change. So, but it's still not me, but it's, like, that's the thing. It's not my, I'm not making myself, like, this completely different person on my socials. It's, like, it's just still me, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I released a, a track called "Commie Rhythm" with Marky e. Basie from the Bay, and, I, and um, that did really well. So that was that was only like three months ago. Yeah. Um, so that did really well. Still doing really well, and then just did a song called "1999" with uh, Brandon Brunette, who's super talented. We actually are doing a remix competition this month for it, with yeah, so super stoked on that, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting, it's taking a risk, I mean, you know, you have to take risks in order to grow, and I think I was feeling a little stagnant doing, you know, music super oriented towards clubs, and you know, I I still played in my sets, because I always played, bounced around with my, in my set with different tempos and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but I got kind of sick of keeping my my head in the mind, the, like, space of, okay, this, how will this do in the club, and I was just kind of like, why don't I just make the music I want to make? Yeah. And so that's what I've been doing. And <laughs> fans have, you know, I've been kind of open with my fans the entire time. Here's what I'm doing. Here's why I'm doing it. And I think because you're, I was so open with them and just kind of telling them, like, it's coming, it's, like, coming from me. It's, like, coming from my heart. Like, this is what I want to do. I think they're passionate about it and got excited mm-hmm. about it, you know? Yeah. Where if I, as I was saying, just, like, suddenly 180'd overnight. Yeah. And it was like, this is what I'm doing now. And they'd be like, what? Like... You know, I've seen it a million times happen that way Yeah Where it just, people were blindsided Fans were blindsided and kind of lost interest Yeah
0: And how did you get into restaurants? You met some people, right?
1: I did Uh, So there is a, um, I guess, promotion slash, like, um, event group I guess you'd call it Called Crossroads up in San Francisco And uh, they booked me for a Halloween party So I played that Met the guys. It was like 2013, I think. Met those guys, and um, and they were like actually like about my age. Really cool dudes in the city. I didn't know their group of friends or anything like that. And hung out with them after the show. And I was just like, yeah, like we, we should definitely do some more stuff. You guys are actually really rad. And like, look, we obviously live in the same city. We should hang out. Um, we just like hit it off immediately. And um, Anderson, one of the guys um, who's a partner at Crossroads, he owns a club called Audio there. That's like an incredible, incredible club there. Um, and a place called Bergerac at the time, and he's like, let's do, let's start throwing parties at, you know, summertime, all-time parties at audio. So we did, like, three of those at audio, like, that next, uh, that next, like, went, like, you know, 2014, and it, like, they killed. It was super, super fun. We all got along. We started throwing pool parties, you know, summertime, all-time pool parties, and those killed, like, the Phoenix Hotel. So it was really fun. It wasn't just me playing. I'd bring in artists to play as well. So... I honestly, uh, that's just how it started. And then they were like, hey, we're opening a Caribbean tropical restaurant a block from your house. It's like very summertime all time. Do you want to invest? And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I'd love to do that. So then they ended up investing into that. And then, you know, it's called Palm House. It's, uh, it's in the marina in San Francisco. It's awesome. And... Yeah, we, uh, we, uh, you know, we just came closer and closer. And we're like, hey, do you want to like, help out with Crossroads? And do you want to become a general partner with the restaurant stuff? And I'm like, I'd love to. So we did that and then opened up, uh, did like a fundraising round for Dorian, which is the next restaurant that opened up in marina as well. And it's kind of like a classic American fare with a raw bar and like a big whiskey menu and stuff. Nice. Oh, it's great. It's really open and spacious. So they're very two different places, which is cool. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I got involved with them. I uh, was helping with the bookings for Crossroads for a long time. And uh, Anderson and Benson and Jack, they're like some of my really cl- my closest friends. It's just kind of happened organically, kind of like anything in my career, mm-hmm. even though it's like, I wouldn't consider part of the Vice career, but still, like. It's kind of just, everything's been kind of organic, which yeah, has been nice. Yeah, I always
0: wanted to, do, like, be a chef. Was like yeah, a I always, that's stuff. the thing you were mentioning earlier. Yeah. I want to
1: be a chef. It's like, this is the next best thing, because I've, what I've learned about, like, you know, close friends are chefs, and they're, it's, a, it's a grind. It's a grind I like, and I'm, like, really impressed with, because yeah. you, you take a lot of shit before you can actually get anywhere there. So, yeah. I mean, just like anything, but I think that the, being in a kitchen is not easy.
0: <laughs> How would you say i have grown as a person compared to when you were younger?
1: Let's see. Things have stayed the same. St- I'm still outgoing and get FOMO when I'm not doing things with my friends, so that's that's stayed the same. Um, I think my patience has gotten a lot better. I'm still a pretty impatient person, but I think it's gotten a whole lot better since I was a kid. Obviously, kids just have no control. but I was pretty impatient back then. Now, I'm, I've gotten a lot better about it over the years, and... Kind of just like let things do their thing before having to check in a thousand times on stuff and like like there's you know there's a process so I've definitely I've definitely gotten better about that. Um, yeah, I mean I guess that I've, I it's interesting because I my interest as a kid with certain sports or uh, just certain activities have drastically changed over the years. But I think that happens with everybody. You either get burnt out of something or you mm-hmm. discover something new you didn't know about. Um, But I find myself going back to them, uh, like tennis, and I'm playing a lot more tennis again. Um, And just things that I took some time off from, and I'm learning to like, like them in a new way. Yeah. That's, I think, really cool. Yeah.
0: Okay. What would you say have been your biggest challenges so far?
1: That's such an interesting question. Um... Challenges in life. I mean, when you're an entrepreneur, right? It's you're constantly have to be on the ball and constantly making sure that you're you're not slipping up and you know r- trying to open new doors and avenues for yourself. You know, because it's it's a it's a business business that's constantly going like this unless you get lazy so mm-hmm. i think just keeping up the hustles you know and that get that can get that can get uh tiring for sure but then you got to reinvigorate yourself with new interesting ideas and things that get you excited about it and continue to get you excited about it so i think that's just it's just you know doing an basically a startup for eight years coming up february mm-hmm. i think i think i just making sure that i am able to grow and you know don't get stale for my fans or myself you know so I think that's been my, and, and a struggle in a good way, you know. I don't think it's been a negative thing at whatsoever. It's a, the best learning experience you could possibly have, running up starting a business. So um, I think that's just been what I've been focused on for the last eight years, which is kind of interesting because it's just kind of consumed your life, you know. And that's there's nothing wrong with that, but um, you kind of just make that your end all be all. You kind of yeah. make it everything about you at all times. It's not there's no there's no Oscar you know, there's always just, like, somehow I'm always attached to Viceroy really, in some sense. Yeah. So, uh, which, you know, can get can get daunting but, uh, and tiring, but, uh, you know, you find ways to kind of just separate yourself from it as much as possible sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. What does love mean to you? Oh,
1: man. Um, I mean, there's so many hallmark cheesy quotes I could say. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of why like, the first one to get in my head. I was like, um, let me think about that. Uh... Like tr- true passion and caring for someone, regardless of some of the decisions they make. Mm, I think, I like that. yeah, I think that you know you gotta you know you may hate them, you may be despise them for something, but you know if, if if they really care about them, you're gonna try to find out a way to make it to make it work. And I don't even mean like you know like relationships. I think it's much more of a bigger picture thing than that. I think you know just you know trying to be there as much for someone. Far, even if you don't necessarily agree with what they're they're doing, but you still understand where they're coming from, mm-hmm. um, I think that's 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 love right there. Yeah, just, I love
0: that. Yeah,
1: even if you just you wholeheartedly disagree with something, just still being there for them,
0: yeah. um,
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: Last question: sure. What do you want to be remembered for?
1: Cool. I want to be remembered for. People just having a good time and not taking themselves too seriously. I think I want people that going to my shows and not thinking about the dreads of everyday life that may be consuming them or maybe they're having, you know, a great life. It's just whatever it is, um, I want those complexities to kind of go out the window and just enjoy yourself and just be in the moment and have a good time and not think too much. And I, I think that's, I've never taken myself too seriously as an artist. I think, I think there's maybe places you do do that. Uh, different genres and whatnot, maybe even be more susceptible to it for me it's i've always just wanted people to have a good time and just let it go yeah, yeah.
0: this is awesome thank you so much yeah, this of is course. awesome.
1: thank Hi. you so much for having me <laughs> see you later